0: Warning There will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then, when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss The Lone Ranger. Sebastian and I'm here with Jennifer. Hello. And we are doing one of our patented Just the Two of Us podcasts. Just
1: the Two of Us.
0: We decided to give our other hosts a break this week and we figured we'd cover a movie that had been requested by one of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately we are not sure exactly who who the listener is. We seem to have lost that communique. But if you're out there and you're listening and you requested this film,
1: this one's for you.
0: This episode, we are covering the 2013 Lone Ranger, starring two canceled stars Johnny Depp and Army Hammer, both of whom are personas non grata in today's cinematic landscape. Jen and I are both fans of Johnny Depp would you say?
1: Yes I would say that's correct.
0: I like Johnny Depp's work a lot. You know I haven't loved everything he's done over the years but I loved him as Edward Scissorhands and Gilbert Grape and I like Sleepy Hollow a lot. I know you're a big Sleepy Hollow fan.
1: Big time. I'm
0: a big Pirates of the Caribbean fan. I like those films. You
1: like Seafaring Yarns.
0: I like Seafaring Yarns and I like his character of Captain Jack Sparrow. So this movie came along and he was starring in it as Tonto because Johnny Depp does at least have some native american background that's right so it's not totally offensive that he should be playing this character although how native american he is is certainly up for question
1: i'm not sure i was actually trying to find that i feel like he his background might be cherokee but i'm not sure how much he has
0: well in this film he plays a comanche that's right
1: different tribe
0: when this movie came out i wasn't super interested in it and i didn't see it in the theater and um a lot of people didn't see it in the theater either. It was a 250 million dollar movie Whoa. that didn't end up doing so well. Um now the director of this film, Gore Verbinski, is a director that I do like a lot of his work. He directed The first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and he also directed the American remake of The Ring, which I know you're a fan of. I am. I think he's a very good director, and I think this film is whatever we might think of it. I think we could probably both agree it's pretty well directed. Would you agree?
1: I would agree. I would say it's very well made. It's
0: very well made. He knows how to stage a scene. He's good with action scenes and staging sort of funny gag-filled action sequences, which is what he really did a lot in the Pirates of the Caribbean and movies. And he brings that to this movie for good or for ill, I would say. We should probably also talk about uh, the other star of the film, Army Hammer. Mhm. I wasn't following Army Hammer's controversial issues too much recently. I saw people saying that he had some sort of cannibal fetish early on, which plays into this movie at a certain point. It
1: sure does. And, you know, as uh, as we discussed, I also was not following what was going on with Army too closely either. I was actually, in all honesty, kind of dismissive of what was going on because i thought well he's just into weird stuff whatever yeah i didn't really pay attention but wow did we learn a lot today
0: yeah we went down the <laughs> rabbit hole researching Army hammer's strange predilections and it turns out he's pretty disturbed it sounds like he comes from a very wealthy family who's had a lot of storied history And it sounds like he's kind of a freak with a sexual obsession about eating people or eating parts of them. And, uh, you know, he's been sort of having affairs on his wife, who he's recently divorced. And I don't know, he just sounds like a really problematic individual.
1: I mean, you know, I I don't know uh, what he's like on set, but Wow offset there's a lot going on there yeah i mean essentially from what we read which you know was in like vanity fair and it was from reputable publications he's pretty much on his way to patrick batemanhood if he's not there already <laughs> with, with uh some uh Really gross ideas.
0: Well, and I think the thing that's really troubling about it is that he has sort of forced these predilections on unsuspecting women who have gotten involved with him over the years and tried to get them to do some pretty uncomfortable and unsavory things you know bordering on sexual assault in some yeah. cases so we, we couldn't really be dismissive of his kink oh, no. after reading about it
1: Nope. that was on us for not paying more attention yeah it was it was a real eye-opener
0: but he's been recently sort of removed from a bunch of high-profile movies some movie that's coming out soon he, he was just recently replaced by Will Arnett, and they've had to like reshoot a bunch of his scenes. I forget what movie it is, but the new Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie mystery, Death on the Nile, has been delayed for a long time, which is a movie that you really wanted to see.
1: Yes, I am a fan of the original, and that's one of my favorite genres, and this version of it looks great.
0: It does look good.
1: But yeah, they've like, I mean, it's getting buried in the February, March burial ground yeah. where you know that's where the the not so great films get released which is a bummer but I think it's probably because of like you said he's in so much of it they couldn't do anything about that one so bummer for the rest of the cast I'm still gonna see that maybe even in the theater I don't know I, I can usually separate art and artists but this was this is this is a little tough
0: yeah, especially after <laughs> like, just after reading all yeah. that stuff. And then in this movie to see him as this sort of stalwart heroic hero.
1: Right. And so for, in the name of justice, yeah. like to a point where it's painful. And I'm sorry to be a broken record, but holy fuck, this is long. There has to be something here with these tentpole trauma films that are just... So long. This movie is over two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, it's two and a half hours.
1: Two hours and 35 minutes or something like that. I can say it's over two and a half. It's so long.
0: It's too long. Two
1: and a half hours.
0: Yes. Agreed.
1: Took a bathroom break like an hour in and I was like, oh, only an hour and a half left. (laughs) I agree with
0: you. It's too long. But let's not belabor the point too much. Let's not make this a two and a half hour podcast complaining about a two and a half hour runtime.
1: We're not doing that.
0: My point was that was hard to sort of watch this movie and I've seen it before. so this is like my second or third time seeing it. And it was hard for me to watch this movie and go along with him as this square-jawed stalwart hero after reading that Vanity Fair article. Yeah so I feel like if he plays like an irredeemable creep in death on the Nile, I could probably hang with that because I'd be like, well, that's what he is. He's a disgusting creep.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who he's playing in that film, but I'm I'm familiar with the story. So I'll have to check that out.
0: Well, I guess we'll see when the movie comes I out. I guess we'll see. Now, as far as Johnny Depp's troubles go, uh, I think he's just probably has substance abuse problems and that has led to difficulties in his domestic life. Yes. Those things get messy and that's not to excuse anything that he's done or he has accused of. But I feel like there may be a road to redemption for Johnny Depp. I think if he got sober and took that seriously, I think that would help his image.
1: I think that would solve Probably a lot of his problems yes. too. I think a lot, I, I agree. I think a lot of his, um, his issues are probably alcohol related.
0: So here's hoping Johnny gets it together one day and that he can come back in some form. I'm sure he'll probably still be able to get smaller roles and in indie work.
1: He's always a delight. Like you already went through the laundry list of films that we love. I've adored Johnny since he was Tom Hansen on 21 Jump Street and I had that poster hanging proudly on my wall in my bedroom as a young girl i thought he was just super charming he's just always fun and and whatever he's doing he's a really talented actor and yeah i hope things get better for him
0: tiger beat crushes die hard they
1: do they really do
0: well let's not waste any more time let's discuss the lone ranger the 2013 film by gore verbinski now, I would argue that one of the things that doesn't necessarily help this movie out too much is the framing story of this little boy in 1933 San Francisco who goes to a fair, and in the fair there's this kind of offensive uh, noble savage display.
1: It's like a, a natural history museum kind of looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's obviously not very tastefully done but that's kind of what it reminded me of when he was walking through there
0: right but i do think that's accurate that's yeah. sort of no. an accurate representation sure. of the type of attractions you might find in a tent in some early 20th century fair but the little boy is dressed up like the lone ranger and he happens upon this display and and there's this old Indian or Native American, but...
1: In the movie, they call them Indians. So I'm I'm just resigned to... I'm probably not going to get it right. I know that they are Native Americans. It's the film. It's Cowboys and Indians. Sorry.
0: So the boy happens upon this display and there's this old wizened native american and it's johnny depp in a lot of makeup yep. and he's wearing this dead crow on his head and this dead crow will feature into the story pretty prominently all throughout the movie he sort of feeds the dead crow with this grain he carries around in him even though the crow's not going to eat it so he's just kind of drizzling grain on himself as a result but the little boy asks him who he is, and he recognizes that the little boy is dressed up as the Lone Ranger. And so they begin this conversation in which Tonto is going to relate. The story to this little boy to tell him the real story of the real Lone Ranger. You know, it's cute and all, but we could cut out 10 minutes of the movie by just hacking this out of there. Yep. I don't feel like it was necessary. Sure don't. They're trying to sort of provide this sort of historical context because it's taking place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out that the railroad is on route to San yes. Francisco. But
1: <sighs> he didn't. it wasn't necessary. No. Especially because there's just so much that they pack in to the two and a half hours this could have gone.
0: We get our first taste of the sort of almost silent movie character style comedy that we're going to get from uh, Johnny Depp in here. Very almost, I would say, Charlie Mm Chaplin-esque or whatever. His character of Tonto is... Very much a sort of physical comedy creation for the most part. We're going to get this sort of tragic backstory mm-hmm. later on. But the character as portrayed by Johnny Depp is pretty much comical, I would say, from mm-hmm. the beginning to end. How did you feel about Johnny Depp's portrayal of Tonto?
1: I don't have a real... Reference point for other versions of Tonto. I'm a, I'm aware of the Lone Ranger and Tonto and and that folklore or or whatnot, but I I couldn't reference another version of Tonto from something else uh, off the top of my head. I'm sure he was played a lot more straight and yes. other things like very much more serious and solemn and how you know like that. But this is a Disney movie and. I, I kind of feel like the whole thing is a bit cartoonish.
0: Just to put The Lone Ranger in context, The Lone Ranger was actually created as a radio show mm-hmm. in the 1930s. And he grew out of that. It, you It know, was a very popular radio serial, and then it became... A movie serial and then TV in the 50s. Most people remember The Lone Ranger from the television show in the 50s. It was a very dad thing for my it's generation. It's such a
1: boomer. But you know what I think of is I think of um, an it. Gosh, I can't think of the the lead character in it, the the one that
0: stars Bill, Bill. Yes,
1: Bill Denbrough. Like his bike is silver, yes. and he's like, "Hi ho, silver away!" And you know, he's it's it's such a a thing for men of that age. Yeah, such a defining thing, and and probably something that was played a lot amongst young boys. Yeah,
0: I knew mostly of the Lone Ranger just from my dad telling me about the Lone Ranger, and there would be occasionally Lone Ranger. Shows on syndication in the afternoons on UHF channels when I was a kid, and I might have watched a little bit here and there, but it was never my thing. I mean, I thought it was cool that he had a mask and he was kind of like a prototypical Batman type of character, superhero type of character. But it westerns weren't my thing when I was a kid. That was the older generation's genre, That's not right. ours. Yeah. Although we have come to enjoy westerns, we
1: do. We really like westerns now. Absolutely. But um, at the time, now, I mean, even if I were watching reruns of things from the 50s and syndication, it probably would have been like the Donna Reed show or something like that on, on Nick at Night or something else like that. It w- would not have been any of the, the Lone Ranger or any of the, the Western type. Shows that were popular then.
0: Yeah, and I think to that point, what Johnny Depp is doing is he's trying to do something a little y- more unique with the character. As you alluded to, the original versions of the character were very much the noble savage, mm-hmm. like they're making fun of in this beginning. He was wise and had right. all the wisdom or whatever. And so they've sort of altered that for this movie to make him sort of off-kilter. He does have wisdom to dispense, but he's also considered to be crazy, even by his own people. People. So he does strange things that are inexplicable and is sort of this cartoonish character that is goofy and odd and says weird things but then occasionally does have some wisdom to dispense almost by accident
1: no occasionally he gets it right
0: you know obviously i think johnny depp was the commercial selling point for this movie he's coming off the role of jack sparrow so they're hoping this is going to be lightning in the bottle yet again his tonto is going to be just as popular as his jack sparrow who he won an Academy Award for playing. Oh,
1: do you know, Jack Sparrow is great.
0: But this did not have the same sort of cultural impact.
1: Uh, He's top build, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Army Hammer was not and will never be now an A-lister, really. He's kind of always been second fiddle, even though he's super good looking and all that. They've tried to make him a leading man, and it just didn't really pan out for him. He's got the looks and he's got the acting talent. But he just doesn't really capture people's hearts the way a leading man will. And maybe it's because inside we all can sense that he's a cannibalistic creepazoid.
1: <laughs> I don't even remember this movie coming out at all. It was just so not on my radar. I mean, maybe you and I went to a, another show or something and saw a trailer for it. I don't remember who they were pushing in the, the trailers or, or you know how, how it was being sold so to speak it
0: was being sold on johnny depp and they were hoping it was going to be another pirates of the caribbean by the same team who brought you pirates of the caribbean it's going to have all the wacky fun and people were like nah
1: but it didn't really have all the wacky fun
0: well i think that can sort of bring us to this movie's main problem aside from the running length
1: i'm not going to keep going back to that well i got it
0: the tone is odd.
1: It's just different than if we if we're gonna compare it to Pirates, it's just a completely different vibe. It's not consistent. It goes from this kind of cartoonish slapsticky type thing, and then it kind of tries to take itself seriously. Yeah. It's just kind of all over the place. Like, how am I supposed to feel about this? And like who exactly am I rooting for here? I mean, I I knew from pretty much the first time we we met him i knew that um
0: tom wilkinson yes
1: tom wilkinson uh, who's you know usually a, a pretty good guy but i i just had a bad feeling about him in this like right right from the beginning like he just seemed like a creep so that big reveal which does actually i mean it ties together it's an interesting story you know as to how deep it goes but That wasn't a big surprise.
0: I was prepared for him to be the villain because he played the villain in Batman Begins. So I'd seen him do a villain before. And I figured, you know, any guy who's sort of like taking charge of the railroad and everything at this time is not going to end up being a good guy. Yeah. Now, I will say that the story itself, I don't think is necessarily bad. For me, the problem with the movie is really about the tone. Like you said, sometimes we're being expected to really be taking it seriously and then other times we're expected to just be going along on this wacky ride and things that are happening are sort of pushing the boundaries of what can physically happen but then we're getting this kind of almost deadly serious western which is in many ways way more hardcore than you would expect from a disney movie
1: that's what i was thinking as we were watching this i was like damn disney because it goes there. Like there's some really violent deaths. Also, I mean, they didn't, you know, really show it, but it's alluded to when um, William Fichtner, who is great in this,
0: yes, he's um, great,
1: yeah, and he just his whole face and mouth and everything is just like oh, ah, it's a lot, but he's he's really great. His um, murder of Army Hammer's brother, yes, Dan, he cuts his freaking heart out. Yep, and you and you don't see it, but you hear it. Yeah. And you see him like going in with the knife and and everyone around him is like throwing up and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Yeah. It's it's not. That's what I mean. (laughs) We
0: have these moments of like very, very serious drama bordering on a little too much for Disney. And then the next scene, Johnny Depp's like comically burying all the dead bodies yeah. and army hammer's still alive and... and
1: then he knocks him out so he like falls back down he like sits up for a minute or something in the grave and then he like johnny Depp knocks him in the head so he falls back down and then he's like continuing to bury him
0: so the setup is uh this character of john who's going to become the lone ranger as played by army hammer is coming back into the texas town in which he grew up they're building a railroad there, as you alluded to. Tom Wilkinson is sort of the head of that. And uh, John has been pining for his brother Dan's wife. And there we get a little sort of comedy with his character where we see that he's sort of awkward, like he tries to give a doll back to a little girl and it ends up getting sucked out the window of the train. So we're just kind of getting set up that he's this kind of do-gooder because he's he's gone to school to become yeah. a, uh,
1: lawyer, a, I guess. a lawyer. And he's yeah. going to be
0: the district attorney of the small town or something. But he's also kind of clumsy and goofy. And he and he's not a cool Western guy like his brother, who right. we will see, because the train gets hijacked because Butch Cavendish, the, the villain Fichtner. played by William Fickner, is on the train. He's been captured along with Tonto. This mm-hmm. is our introduction to Tonto as a young man. is played by Johnny Depp. So this big action scene happens on this train where... His brother Dan, played by James Badge Dale, is coming to get the outlaws who are trying to get Butch Cavendish. And we get a lot of hijinks on the train. Now, I do like the action and the stunts that are going on in this movie.
1: The stunts are pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, they're pretty good. People are sort of hanging off the side of the train and going in through windows and going on the top of the train. On top of the
1: so much on top of the train. Later, when we're introduced to Silver, we get a lot of Silver on top of the train. Yes. Also, I do have to say, going back to when we first meet John, that did make me laugh out loud. Because what he does is he, t- the, he tries to give the, the, the doll back to the kid and he goes, here, catch. And the doll just sucked out the window. And it did make me laugh out loud because it was, it was really funny. I think that
0: Army Hammer has some comedic talent. Yeah. He's got good timing yes. and good reaction. He's sort of playing the straight man in this movie, but he's the goofy straight man. Even though Tonto's a little off kilter, he's much more sort of physically competent. Oh, yeah. Later, we're going to get a lot of sort of stunt work with his character on another train sequence there's two train sequences in this film which i find a little bit odd we start with the train sequence and then we end with a train sequence but
1: the whole movie's about the train
0: yeah no i mean it makes sense story-wise i just think it's sort of odd that they built two giant action sequences around trains but That's what the movie has to offer is trains. So we're going to do it and do it big. So, yeah, we get this whole sequence where John ends up sort of inadvertently rescuing um, Tonto. And Mm -hmm. Tonto has uh, his own reasons for wanting revenge against Butch Cavendish, we'll Mm -hmm. find. We do get a nice little bit of comedy here where Tonto can see that Butch Cavendish has found a gun that's been hidden for him in the train he's trying to like warn the other guys the the sheriffs that are on the train and they're not paying attention to him and he finally gets their attention but it's too late and then butch cavendish sees him and he's holding his finger in a gun position
1: because he had signaled the sheriff or whatever and the sheriff had saw it and he just never undid his hand from that position or removed his hand from that position that also made me laugh it's
0: a nice bit of comedy
1: yeah i mean there's there's some funny stuff in here like like, when it works. I
0: think the problem is the comedy doesn't always work. No. Like, it's not always funny.
1: No, those are probably the two times that I really chuckled.
0: Definitely in the middle stretch of the movie, things just kind of aren't clicking. And I feel like the middle drags terribly. But this opening sequence, it's fun. It just sets the stage. The train ends up running all the way to the end of the Mm tracks that they haven't even finished building yet. And it t- turns into a big train wreck. They save all the passengers because they unhitch the mm-hmm. the engine car, but Johnny and Army are still on the engine car. So they end up in this big crash, which with they miraculously survive, which is sort of the first indication that we're really going to be pushing the boundaries of physics in this movie in weird ways, which is fine. But the whole movie doesn't necessarily support that.
1: No, there's people that die. Then there's other people that just are Teflon. The
0: consistency is a little bit of a problem. After this all happens, we sort of get our setup that Ruth Wilson is the love interest who's married to John's brother, but their marriage obviously seems like it's kind of grown cold over the years. They have a son who's going to play a role in it. I don't know. He's probably like 10 years old or something. And she clearly has feelings for John, but they're unrequited because he's not going to move on his brother's wife. So that's sort of the romantic tension set up in the beginning here.
1: I think their marriage was kind of cold, so to speak, just because he's the ranger and I think he's gone a lot.
0: Yeah, he takes his job very seriously. Yeah,
1: I mean like he literally like had just seemed like he just rolled back into town and then he was like, "Well, we got to get out there again." And so he's hardly ever home.
0: I like the actor who plays Dan. It's James Badge Dale. He's a character actor that shows up in stuff. He's been like in Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. and a bunch of other movies. He's got a good face and he does a good job here. And they sort of set up this dynamic between the two brothers that he's the man of action and the cowboy. And, you know, his brother's now a city boy coming back into town with his fancy law degree and all that. But he ends up drafting him into their posse posse as a deputy. And they go riding off into the wilderness to chase down Butch Cavendish's gang who has escaped during the train crash.
1: And we get a little history here because when he deputizes John and gives him the ranger badge star star he looks at the back of it and there's a signature on it and he's like, "Oh, is this Dad's?" So like that was like an indication that Dan followed in his father's footsteps where John was educated. Yeah, he's come back home, but he doesn't really fit in. They're making fun of his clothes and, you know, he's an educated... He introduces him to Tom Wilkinson and is like, oh, he's educated like you are. He's not particularly proud of them.
0: So they ride off as a posse and we learn that one of their number turns out to be a traitor. He is played by Leon Rippey and he's like this older guy who drinks a lot of whiskey Mm -hmm. um, and he's apparently sold them out to Butch Cavendish because they come into this canyon area and they get slaughtered. They get ambushed and they all get shot. John Or Dan, rather, gets shot and killed when he tries to...
1: Tries to come back and help John.
0: Yes, tries to come back and help John, who's been shot and was knocked off his horse. But Dan isn't fully dead until, like you said, Butch Cavendish comes up and carves out his heart with a big old knife. Rough stuff. Tonto is reintroduced back into the story here because he is watching this from high on a canyon ledge or whatever. And it's funny because they don't ever explain how he got out of the jail no and they flash back to or flash forward to 1933 and the kid is like how would you get out of jail and he just kind
1: of blows it off he
0: blows it off yeah and they never explain no how he ended up there
1: that's it that's kind of funny
0: they kind of do that here and there in the movie where they're just like oh, we're not going to bother telling you how that well, happened." because
1: it's tonto telling the story right. right so when someone's telling a story they get to leave out what they want to leave out.
0: And so this is sort of where the Lone Ranger story starts in most tellings of the tale. Uh, This ranger is supposedly killed out in the desert and this Native American finds him and brings him back to life, quote unquote, and convinces him that the best way to Go after the people he needs to go after is to pretend he's still dead and wear this mask so that people don't know who he is. That's your basic setup for the Lone Ranger. So they do honor that in this movie. And we get that pretty straightforward.
1: And then we get Tonto also um, telling John that he says that he died and came back, that he's a spirit walker. Mm hmm. Which is a real missed opportunity for the song Spirit Walker.
0: That's right. The song (laughs) Spirit Walker by The Cult should have been in there. Probably no one listening to this podcast knows that song. It's a
1: really good song.
0: I should probably put that in the intro, Uh, but I have to use the Lone Ranger theme.
1: Well, too bad. Maybe at the end.
0: So, yeah, at this point, they've sort of teamed up. They are sort of reluctant uh, partners. They find this beautiful white horse who seems to have strange abilities to be in places that it shouldn't be like in trees and then like weird ledges. And Tonto's like, there's something not right with that horse.
1: I do appreciate taking that approach to, instead of like this horse is such this magical beast or whatever, that's, you know, doing all these things that are really unbelievable that, you know, Tonto's like, Something's wrong with that horse. Or that horse is either really smart or really stupid. You know, like they're they're kind of making light of it. Yeah. And um I think I think that's just an interesting choice. And I, I I thought it was fun.
0: And this horse, of course, of course, of course. Will be <laughs> later at the very end of the movie named as Silver, but we all know that this is Silver, the horse. It's a nice horse. They got a good horse.
1: Very pretty horse.
0: So yeah, at this point of the movie I start to sort of lose track of what happens they end up in this town where there's a lot of craziness going on
1: well they go to like a brothel or like burlesque place because it's like they go to the town and it's kind of like um kind of like a carnival sort of i mean they have like the oddities and all of that going on as they're walking through and well he had found out he i think he had in his pocket because the guy who betrayed them had mentioned that he had gone to this burlesque brothel whatever they were calling it and i can't remember house of ill repute and he had showed john when when they were riding together like you know that he had he's like yeah i spent hey hang- i was hanging out here last night or whatever and john's just like so square he's like oh this is where you go dancing or something like mm-hmm. that but he folded it and put it in his pocket so i think that might be how they got there
0: that's the clue yes yeah
1: so they get there This is actually one of my favorite parts because we get to have some time with the wonderful Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. She is like the head honcho madam madam of the, the whole thing. She's got fabulous red hair. I think her character's name is Red something or another. They don't really say red harrington is her name
0: red harrington (laughs) Uh yeah because her
1: hair is red but what is the coolest thing about red harrington is that she has a prosthetic leg all the way up to like her hip that's i guess carved from ivory and it's got like all these really intricate like filigree like markings scrimshaw scrimshaw okay on the leg and it's just beautiful what's even cooler is that it's like a giant shotgun. There's
0: a big old gun in that leg, which she uses to good effect a few times in the movie.
1: And you know how we like leg guns. We do like leg guns. Taking us back to Cherry Darling.
0: That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy this little sequence too, and I like this character. It's too bad she kind of... Just shows up here and then shows up at the The end end for like a minute. Yeah. They just like give her a moment at the end where she blows up some dynamite with her leg gun.
1: I mean, it's important. Yeah.
0: She has a thing to do. But
1: this is all we really get from her. The place gets under attack. And she had mentioned when they went in there, it was either either John or Tonto asked, do you have a cat? Because they could smell the cat, I guess. And she was like, I did, you know, but I I thought I'd get a cat instead of having another man or something like that. And then the the cat had taken off or something like that. So then when everything breaks loose and the guys are trying to get out of there, John goes outside and there's this kitten. And so because he's so do the right thing, he comes back in and is like, ma'am, I think I found your cat. And and like the whole brigade that's after them are right there. Mm -hmm. So then more... Shenanigans ensue.
0: Well, what happens after this is they go to Ruth Wilson's home because she's been attacked. They, they've heard that the Comanches are attacking because of something to do with the railroad. Right.
1: Well, they had a treaty.
0: Right. That's been broken. That's been
1: broken, apparently. And
0: that's a thing that's going to kind of be going on in the background of the whole movie. And so they rush off to her homestead, which is that typical homestead in the middle of nowhere that we saw in cowboys and aliens yep. and we see in every always. movie it's always that in the middle of nowhere right. homestead and she thinks that they're being attacked by comanches but they aren't really comanches we learn they are cavendish's men and they are disguised as mm-hmm. comanches to make it look like comanches are attacking the homesteaders right. and all of her farm hands are mercilessly slaughtered But her and her son are kidnapped. And then Tonto and the Lone Ranger show up there to find the place in ruin. But they do find some of the Cavendish's men still hanging around, one of whom likes to dress up in women's clothing. More hijinks ensue. The Lone Ranger ends up accidentally killing two men when he fires a gun.
1: Like a big beam comes down on them or something. Yeah,
0: he's intending to do a warning shot, but he ends up knocking the rope off of a beam or something and it falls and crushes both of their heads
1: which tonto was like great shot you know and he's like mr justice is just beside himself
0: so we're sort of setting up this idea that he's always the lone ranger is always trying to bring people in without killing them but he's so sort of weirdly incompetent that he ends up killing people by accident
1: earlier when his brother was still alive i think his brother gave him a gun or something and he was like i'm not going to shoot that because he's so like believes in people should be brought to justice and you shouldn't take justice into your own hands which is all well and good except for we're in the wild wild west here well
0: he's a law man he believes in the law and the, the arc of his character is going to be that he realizes by the end that he has to step outside the law to really get things done because the world and the government and everything is corrupt. The railroad is corrupt. They had the cavalrymen in their pocket, so we can't trust the cavalrymen. So that's why he has to be the Lone Ranger. That's right. So, I mean, I get why they're doing this. It's a sure. character arc. He needs yes. to learn to become an outlaw is what it is.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a little frustrating. It takes them a long time to get there. They
0: eventually end up being captured by Comanches. And real they end, Comanches. Real Comanches. And they end up in this Comanche camp. And at that point, the Lone Ranger has been sort of taken into the chief's hut or whatever. You know, he's asking them, well, isn't like Tonto one of you? And they're like, no, Tonto's
1: by himself. By
0: himself. he." Belong to this tribe, and we get this backstory of how when Tonto was a little boy, he was living with his tribe, and they lived near this river where there was silver in the river, but the tribe didn't have any use for the silver. They didn't see the value in it. And then these men of ill repute came into their village one day, and they asked Tonto where. The silver was coming from and he led them to where the river began and for his trouble they gave him a watch as a trade a cheap Sears and Roebuck watch and Tonto is still carrying around this watch and then they went back to the village and to make sure that nobody told anybody about the silver they murdered all the Indians in the village and
1: burned the whole village down
0: yeah and Tonto came home to find that and that is when he decided to make it his mission to find these two men or this man or whatever.
1: I think it was two men.
0: It was two men, but in the end, is oh, it's supposed to, I guess, be Butch Cavendish yes. and yes. Tom Wilkinson. Yes, So, yeah, he vows revenge or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, and he starts to paint his face with this black goo mm-hmm. that he gets off of a dead crow. Yep,
1: and he starts wearing on his head. And
0: that's why he appears the way he does. As an adult, he has this sort of white, caked makeup on with black streaks. It's a very distinctive design.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of a heavy backstory for, for, Disney. for a goofy character. right?
1: Also, I do like the way Tonto looks, by the way. I, like, I think his makeup looks really good. Yeah,
0: it's a cool design. It's a cool character design. But I mean, to compare it to Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow they don't ever give this tragic backstory to. He's a sort of goofy character who does fun, heroic things, but they never have this part in any of the movies where they're like, and this is how he became the drunken pirate he is.
1: I just don't think I even needed it, to be honest. Like, there's already so much going on in the story. I mean, it's going to be established that... I can't remember his name. Tom Whitmore?
0: Tom Wilkinson.
1: Wilkinson, sorry. That Tom Wilkinson is a bad man. Like, this is just another layer of his badness that he's... He's the guy who took the silver or whatever, but he's also could have just been a greedy railroad maniac and that would have been enough. There could have been another reason as to why Tonto is lost or whatever, but it's a heavy story.
0: Well, and sort of uh, piggybacking off what you're saying, I think one element that sort of complicates this movie unnecessarily is you've got the element of the silver, right, which is still an important element in the story going forward, right? Yeah. But you also have the railroad. Like, So Tom Wilkinson is building the railroad. But he's also got all this silver. Well, he's also
1: going to haul his silver?
0: Right. Well, he's going to haul the silver to San Francisco, where then he can take control of the railroad company because he doesn't have full... Ownership of it that's when he's talking to all those men in the boardroom scene where it's like steven root Root. yes yeah and he's like the train's gonna take all my silver to san francisco and once it's there i'm putting it in the bank and then i'm taking over this company i think that's like what the silver's doing in the story but it's like one complication too many and it's all just because they want to set up the silver as a part of the Lone Rangers mythology. There's right. the silver bullet. There's the horse. The There's horse, the horse. Is
1: silver. Yeah. So
0: it, it's just too screenwritery. The two main writers are Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who oh, okay. also wrote like the Pirates movies. And okay. they're big Hollywood screenwriters. And I sometimes think that in terms of their writing... They get a little bit up their own butts.
1: It just doesn't. That's what I'm I mean, we're saying the same thing. I like it just doesn't have to be that deep. This guy could just be a bad man who wants to control the railroad. However, he's going to do it if he's going to do it by force or if he's going to do it because he has the silver, whatever. I guess the silver needs to be in there because of the horse and whatnot. But it just it just seems like one thing too many. Well,
0: it's in there also because it's tying back to what. Tonto, but did did
1: we need that super sad story?
0: No, I'm agreeing. I don't think we really need. (laughs) No, I get
1: why it's all it all ties together very nicely. Like it's, I mean, it's 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 tight in that way, but it's just all over.
0: It's overcomplicated, and you can say that about these screenwriters' work in general. Like, as much as I love the pirates movies, they are tend to be overlong and overcomplicated, just like this movie. So, I think it's a problem.
1: One thing I did want to mention in regards to the script and how there's just so much going on and there's so many different reasons and just tying everything together with the silver and this and that and the other. Who exactly is this movie for? Yeah. Because if you're going to bring in some of the heavy backstory for Tonto, plus like some of the kind of kind of gnarly violence and stuff like that, too, it seems a lot more Heavy handed in that way than a pirates movie, definitely because a pirates movie you enjoy it, but kids can enjoy it too. Yeah, it's hard for me to say because we grew up with the Disney movies we grew up with, especially like when Disney was kind of in a weird place and we had like Watcher in the Woods, we've talked about this before, even you know, um, something wicked or Escape Wish Mountain, there's you know, like stuff like that where. It was just like a little darker Disney, but that was a different time. And that was for kids, but it was definitely darker kind of kinder trauma type things. Yeah. Disney doesn't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, those things were darker. And this is not to argue whether or not that makes it better or worse or more commercial or whatever. The, yes, they were darker, but they were simpler. Like, they, I think the problem here is that. You're dealing with something that's overcomplicated. And then at the same time, you have tonal issues. You could make a simple, funny movie about a Lone Ranger and Tonto where they're stopping a train baron or something, right? And then you just have fun action sequences and you cut out all the more serious stuff, aside from the origin of the Lone Ranger, because there just has to be a certain amount of... Death there, but you know, that's typical for Disney, right? right. Somebody's already got to die.
1: Always. That's why all the cartoons are so freaking tragic.
0: Yeah, I think the problem <laughs> with it is the Tonto backstory is too much, and then the plot itself is overcomplicated. It kind of
1: complicated for a kid to get their head around that. I'm that's sure a lot.
0: no kids give two craps about this movie. I don't think any kids even watched it. One thing I wanted to bring up is in the early phases of the development of the script, there was more of a supernatural element. Mm-hmm. There's hardly any supernatural element in this movie as it stands, other than like what we were talking about with silver seems to mm-hmm. almost be supernatural. Right. And Johnny Depp keeps referring to the Lone Ranger as the spirit walker, right. meaning he's walked in both worlds and now he can't really die. And he brings up the Wendigo. Wendigo, yeah which is a famous Native American myth like monster a, a creature. or
1: ghost or something? It, it's
0: very vague as to what the Wendigo is. It's basically a forest spirit, and it gets used a lot in fiction in different ways to represent different things. And Tonto is sort of insisting that Butch Cavendish and the man who stole the silver from his people— is a Wendigo. So Mm -hmm. in the original script, there were going to be like coyote werewolves or something like that. And they ended up cutting all that stuff out of the script because it was going to be too expensive. I know, I would have really liked that. A couple months ago, we did Cowboys and Aliens. And, you know, even though I think there was a lot of similarities there between this movie and that movie, I feel like that movie balanced its intentions much better like oh, yeah. even though it had crazy aliens in it at least tonally it all kind of worked as a piece yes where this isn't even trying to do anything that crazy but the tone is so weird just goes to show you could have taken it into a crazier directions and maybe made it work better
1: I think so I, I kind of was expecting that for some reason without even knowing really anything about this I was expecting we were going to get some more supernatural elements for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. Well,
0: and that would have sort of freed up the tone a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, like if there's like werewolves and stuff in it, then you can have even crazier things and you can push things even more in comedic directions and stuff. I, I think by trying to keep it grounded, it sort of hurt it. I would agree. So the Lone Ranger and Tonto track Butch Cavendish and his men to this tunnel where they're doing something in the tunnel. I think they're laying explosives or something. And Tonto wants to kill Butch Cavendish because Butch Cavendish slaughtered his people, Mm -hmm. but the Lone Ranger won't let him do it because, like we said, he's a man of the law. So he ends up throwing down his mask, he's not going to do this crazy mask thing anymore, and he's going to take Butch Cavendish back to Tom mm-hmm. Wilkinson, and they're going to do things yep. by the letter. So we get this moment where our heroes are broken up because of conflicting ideologies. You yep. know, it's a pretty screenwritery thing. This is where you split up your team because they can't agree on how to do the thing. Yep. And so he brings... Butch Cavendish back to Tom Wilkinson, who has Ruth Wilson as sort of his captive. And like the cavalrymen have all shown up. Barry Pepper plays this sort of reluctant cavalrymen leader. And of course, what's going to be revealed here once the Lone Ranger shows up with Butch Cavendish? It's pretty obvious that... We're going to find out that Butch Cavendish and Tom Wilkinson are in cahoots That's and they've right. been in cahoots this whole time.
1: They're the ones that did Tonto's village wrong and they've been being bad together for a long time.
0: Kind of the most notable thing that we noticed while we were watching this scene, because this is revealed in a scene where they've been having this dinner in the train car and like the dining car. But, you know, Ruth Wilson has been taken away and, and being held hostage in this other car by this guy but they start talking about cannibalism or something Mm -hmm. while they're eating this food in the train car. And we were thinking, this must have been the reason why Army Hammer was attracted to this screenplay because of this talk of cannibalism. Mm -hmm.
1: Coincidence? We think not.
0: And you pointed out that he probably was hoping those ribs that he was <laughs> that were was. made it's out like of human beings.
1: Leg of lamb or something. I don't know what it was.
0: So, of course, now we know who the true villain is. It's Tom Wilkinson. And they end up bringing the train back to the where the tunnel is. And then all these Comanches come in because they're going to execute uh, the Lone Ranger. And he's being put on this, like, precipice or something. Mm-hmm. But then the Comanches come. They come to save them. Yep. But then the cavalrymen pull out their like Gatling guns. And and this is
1: another really brutal scene.
0: Yeah, they're like mowing down Comanches. No, because we have the Comanches
1: that are just like firing a bunch of arrows, which, you know, they're getting the job done. But then like these early machine guns, what did you call them?
0: Gatling guns.
1: Gatling guns. Just mowing everybody down. I was like, woof, man rough it's
0: pretty rough for a disney movie we're seeing like massacring of native americans yes and it kind of gets brushed off after this
1: yeah
0: it's just like oh well well They were all shot down and murdered. This gets the Lone Ranger and Tonto back together and he puts back on the mask. And so we go into our big main climax, which is now taking place on not one train, but two trains. There's like the train with the silver and then there's the train that's got Ruth Wilson and her son on it. And it's this big, crazy action sequence. Like at one point, Tonto gets on a ladder and he goes from one train to the other. And the Lone Ranger is chasing after them first through the town with like silvers on top of the rooftops and everything. It's
1: like incredible. The stunt work that's happening again, this train stunt work is really, really amazing. Before this happens, Tonto, remember Tonto and um, John are putting on the explosives.
0: This is something that's sort of done in like flashbacks. Like we see them start to put on the explosives, but then later it's going to be revealed to us that they had blown up the bridge. So these two... Two trains are all both barreling towards this bridge and like to get the explosives. They had to rob a bank and blah, blah, blah. Well,
1: and that's how the story began also. Right. Back at the beginning when he first starts talking to the little boy in 1933, which, by the way, I read in trivia, the reason they chose 1933 is because that's when the Lone Ranger radio program first aired. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So there was there was a reason for that to tie it all together. But yeah, I thought it was funny because they flash back and we get this thing twice. Did you notice the lady in the crowd twice with like the ketchup on her face? Because she's eating a hot dog and she goes, oh my. Yeah. When there's an explosion. Yeah. She just full on had like a bunch of ketchup on her face.
0: I did not notice the ketchup. Oh, I
1: did. It's there. I saw it twice. Very important detail.
0: So, yeah, we get the big action climax where the two trains are hurtling towards a blown up bridge and Lone Ranger's got to save Ruth Wilson and the boy. And Tonto's got to get Tom Wilkinson because he's the one he's after. And they got to kill Butch Cavendish and all this. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty exciting. It's a lot of sort of uh, cool stunt work. But then there's a lot of CG and sort of green screen stuff.
1: That one ball that Tonto has where he falls from up high into like one of the carts that's carrying the silver. Mm -hmm. Ouch. I literally said ouch when we are watching it because he fell from like quite a height. And it's like you're falling on silver. It wasn't like you fell on something soft.
0: No, that would be painful.
1: Super painful.
0: I do kind of think the sort of setup for this scene is a little ridiculous because it ends up being two trains on two different tracks. So you're getting parallel action between two trains on two different tracks. But why would there be? Two parallel tracks running so close together in the old west. I have no idea. It only makes sense for the (laughs) cinematically. Right. Like you would only need one set of train tracks going through this crazy, like mountainous pass pass region and stuff. Like you wouldn't need two parallel train tracks.
1: There's a lot happening here.
0: Usually, when you have converging tracks, that means one track's going one way and the other track's going the other way. In this case, it's like they're like subway lines or something. It doesn't make any sense. But they need to have two trains going at the same time. Because then it would just be the same thing they did in the beginning. Right. So they've got to up the ante visually.
1: Boy, do they. And
0: it, it is good. It's like, good.
1: It's really good. One
0: thing Rodney likes to say whenever he's on the podcast is like, well, show me the scene in this movie that you'd actually, you know, show somebody to be impressed with what they're doing. And I would say you could probably show people this scene. I think so. Just if you want to be like, hey, you know, what's cool about the Lone Ranger movie is this scene.
1: The second train scene. I mean, the first train scene is, is good, too. But this is something else at the end. Like they really like are pulling out all the stops.
0: It looks pretty good. Even like the stuff that you can tell is clearly green screened, like when they're on top of the train or whatever, it still yeah, looks pretty good. It still good.
1: looks good. I didn't care. Yeah. And
0: like when the Lone Ranger is riding on silver and trying to catch up to them, it looks good. I'm sure a lot of the silver stuff is CG, but that looks good.
1: Well, even like the struggle with Ruth Wilson at some point where I think uh what's his name? Cavendish has her again up on the top of the train yeah. and then John basically says you know like go ahead throw her off like she's she lands on her feet yeah and All of a sudden, Silver's there and catches her.
0: She lands on Silver backwards. Cute gags, lots of physical gags and stuff, but they're all pretty good. Um, But Tonto, in the end, gets his revenge because Mm he manages to sort of corner Tom Wilkinson on the top of the train with the Silver, but he doesn't kill him. Does he throw a knife at him or something?
1: I don't think he does at all. I think he just lets the train just go.
0: Yeah, he unhooks the 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 cart cart, so that the front of the train goes off of the destroyed bridge and into the water. And Tom Wilkinson gets buried.
1: By his silver.
0: By his silver.
1: Which is perfect.
0: So then, yeah, the Lone Ranger decides that he's going to take justice into his own hands.
1: Because he has the one bullet left. Right, he has the silver bullet left. That he had given to the little boy and the little boy throws it to him. Yep, And he catches it, puts it in, he has one bullet. And he, he shoots Cavendish.
0: He shoots Cavendish. So, yeah, both our heroes get their men. And, uh, yeah, that's basically the end of the story. They end up back in the uh, town. And uh, Stephen Root wants to reward the Lone Ranger uh, with a watch. But the watch box is empty and only has the grain or whatever Bird that seat, Tonto likes to sprinkle yeah. around. But... The Lone Ranger wouldn't have accepted the watch anyway, because Steven Root's like, I want you to be our lawman or whatever. We need
1: you in our pocket. Yes.
0: And Lone Ranger's like, no, sir. He's like, you can take off the mask now. And he's like, nope, not not yet. yet." And then he goes to Ruth Wilson and she sort of intimates like, hey, if you want to settle down with me, I'm here. But he's like, I can't right now. She's like, well, you know where to find us. That's right. And so he rides off, and Tonto rides off with him, and they have their moment where he's trying to do the uh, high-o Silver away.
1: And Tonto says, don't ever do that again.
0: Right, which was in the trailer. (laughs) I remember seeing that in the trailer a lot. We've established our heroes. They're now... The Lone Ranger and Tonto, like, you know them from the serials or whatever. And then we get the going back to San Francisco and the, you know, the kid's like, did it really happen that way? And Tonto's like, it happened like that way if you believe it or something like that. Again, I could have done without the little kid stuff. The wraparound. But then the little kid, like never take off the mask and he, yeah, puts, he puts on puts his the mask. mask on
1: and then we're we cut back to the desert where like you know tonto and John, uh, the lone ranger are and then we zero in on the scorpion which i was like okay because that was a thing, a thing that happened in the movie yeah there was a point at, at one point where um tonto and the lone ranger are buried in sand like up to their necks and I can't remember if it was the Comanche or the Calvary that actually did that to them. I can't recall. It was the
0: Comanches because then the Calvary, Calvary comes, comes and, and like just yeah, runs over right them. over
1: them, is not there to help them at all. And then they're, you know, complaining. And this is, you know, kind of some comedic things happening here where Tonto's like, well, it could be worse. You know, your nose could itch because, you know, their hands or like, arms are all buried or whatever. And then all of a sudden, scorpions start to come out of the ground and start climbing on their faces. Yes. So it definitely got worse. But then silver comes over and starts licking and eating the scorpions off their face. Yeah. So we get this zoom in of the scorpion at the end and this wild rabbit that just chows down on the scorpion. The end. It's
0: a real head scratcher. <laughs> But we should say that while you and I did not necessarily love this movie, our dog Annie was quite captivated with many things that happened in <laughs> Annie this movie. Annie
1: gives it four paws up.
0: There were a lot of animals doing a lot of different things. That's right. There were bunnies at one point. There were
1: bunnies. The bunnies were, I think, maybe the most... Interesting because there were so many of them on the screen at one time. Yes. And she really likes bunnies, but she also, horses are one of her favorites. Yep. Yeah, there was just a, a lot for Annie. She
0: was a big fan of Silver because mm-hmm. he was a white horse and she's white, That's so we right. think she might relate to him a little she bit. She was
1: really identifying with Silver.
0: So while we weren't necessarily <laughs> fully enthralled with this film, Annie Banani was.
1: Annie sure was. Annie thinks The Lone Ranger is a fine film
0: now in summary my feelings of the film are i agree with you it's way too long and like i said tonally i think it has some problems i do really like gore verbinski as a director i think the movie looks really good i think all of his camera work and all of his framing is really good the big end sequence we get which we were talking about which we liked is all scored to the original Mm -hmm. lone ranger theme
1: Right. Yeah,
0: which works. Yeah, it works good. They do a revamped version of that for that whole sequence. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So there's definitely moments in this movie that I, I like, but I don't think the whole holds together because it's just too convoluted. There's too much going on. It collapses under its own weight. Like the crashing train in the beginning, it sort of derails itself under its own sort of weightiness and need to tell too much story. Yeah.
1: I actually, I didn't hate watching it or anything. I I already let my feelings be known about the length. The length and the tone and just all the unnecessary layers, I think, are what i didn't really enjoy about it the things that i thought were good is i think it was really well made i think it looks really good i think the stunts were incredible it's well well shot well acted there was nobody that I didn't like or I felt like was miscast in any way. They're all actors that I like. I mean, even learning what we did about Arnie Hammer, you know, he still did a fine job as what he was doing. I mean, it's Got like it. it all works, you know, everything pays off more than it even needs to. As far as nothing is really left undone. Everything wraps up really it's it's a, I think a really tight screenplay, except that it's as we mentioned earlier, there's more reasons than need to be there. If this is supposed to be for kids, because that's my other big thing, is like, who the hell is this for? It's too much.
0: It's overcooked is the term I would use. I think all of these things can speak to the fact that it didn't do well at the box office. But I think there might be a couple of other things that we could throw in there. People just don't flock to Westerns like they used yeah. to. It
1: seems to be hard. I mean, that's that was the case with Cowboys and Aliens, too.
0: Right. And this costs $250 million, which is insane.
1: It's crazy. And they also, like, even with that price tag, I was reading in the trivia that the leads, like, deferred their salaries by, like, 20% or something wow. like that. Yeah, it was... Um, I mean, they wanted to get it made, and they they had a lot of problems with shooting and stuff too. Like, the film was nearly canceled due to obstacles during production, including bad weather, wildfires, A chickenpox outbreak and a crew member's accidental death. Wow! So I mean, it was rough, and I I think Johnny Depp like nearly had um, had, like a near death experience because he had like a fall off of his horse and stuff too. And this seems like they really were swimming upstream. It's just always it's just sad to me like when you're deferring salaries and you're going through all this hardship to get this film made, and then. It comes out and it's just not what you're hoping or you, or maybe, maybe they were happy with the way it looked and everything, but it's just not, it just doesn't connect with people and people don't flock to the theater, theaters to see it. And it's just, it's a bummer.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, the critical reviews weren't great, so that didn't help things. And I think we've touched upon a lot of the reasons why the reviews yeah. weren't great. But I also think that no matter what, your plans were you shouldn't have spent 250 million dollars on this and you know it looks good yeah it looks really good but it doesn't look 250 million dollars good I mean that's a lot of money and you know those sequences that we talked about were pretty spectacular but a lot of the rest of it is just kind of like a western and nowadays westerns are considered low budget yeah like most westerns that you see being made now The genre has kind of come back a little bit because you can make Westerns for cheap. And so it's really a head scratcher as to why this was so expensive. I'm sure they built everything from scratch, like all the town and everything. I'm sure that was all done just for the movie. No expense was spared. And it sounds like the production was troubled on top of it. So I'm sure that was expensive, too. Right. Like
1: just that's eating up money, too. Right. I'm
0: not accusing anybody of like pocketing the money. No, no, no. I'm just saying like that's a huge, huge price tag tag for this movie and for a Western, like a genre that people are not flocking to. And you had Cowboys and Aliens two years before that had tanked. That was 2011. The signs were there like this is not going to probably be a big hit.
1: I think they were just like you had kind of mentioned earlier, it's coming off the heels of pirates and they were just thinking that they could keep the pirates train going yep. in a different way. Train. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what I did there.
0: I do see what you did there.
1: <laughs> but, you know, with having Johnny Depp and he was hot and I mean, everyone loves Captain Jack Sparrow and, you know, let's get him doing Tonto, who is another beloved character as the Lone Ranger is to a certain age group. Maybe they were... I don't know, thinking that, well, it just wouldn't have been. It would have been granddads and their grandkids going, I guess, because yeah. it's like the generation that would have had kids that would be going, I'd be Gen X, and we don't care. Nope. I don't know. It's just such a sm- like a small margin of people you're getting to possibly go to the theater for this Western. Like the nostalgia of The Lone Ranger is just not that strong even. Like you're saying Westerns are a tough sell already. Even the Lone Ranger, which is one of the most known characters.
0: Yeah. The Lone Ranger wasn't a white hot IP in 2013.
1: It was No, a different time it would have been.
0: If they had done this movie 40 years earlier, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it might have really done gangbusters. I mean, they have made Lone Ranger movies yeah. in the past. There was one made in like the late 70s or the early 80s that was like a modest hit. So producers wanted to make a kick-ass Lone Ranger movie for the, the new millennium. And, like, you know, they're probably thinking, well, superheroes are hot, and, like, the Lone Ranger's kind of a superhero. He's like a Western superhero. But they didn't play the character that way in this movie. He's played as more of a goof until the end. So even that seemed like maybe a misguided idea, if that's what they were hoping for. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why... This movie did a paltry like $30 million in opening weekend or something like that.
1: I wonder if Jerry Bruckheimer is like a big Lone Ranger fan because I was just looking and he's old enough to have kind of been into it because he's yeah. born in 43. Oh, so I'm sure. So he could have felt that. People were going to give more of a shit about it than they did. Well,
0: I also read that they started developing this movie in, like, early 2000s. And around that time, they had made those Zorro movies with Mm -hmm. Antonio Banderas. And those had been actually popular. Those movies made money. So I think they were thinking, oh, if Zorro can be done, we can do The Lone Ranger. But those were done in, like, the early 2000s. We're talking, like, 10 years later. Right.
1: I can barely remember those movies where they played pretty straight.
0: Yeah, they're played pretty straight. It's got that sort of swashbuckling humor, but it's not as there's no Johnny Depp doing like Charlie Chaplin routines. I get what they were thinking, but they pushed it too far. It's been too late. And I mean, with Zorro, you've got like the Latino audience who have affinity for the character. I just feel like nobody cares about the Lone Ranger anymore.
1: I know. That's that's sad. Oh, well. That's how it goes. (laughs) It's what happens. Overall, I I didn't hate it by any means. I just want to stress that, but I don't know who I would recommend this to or if I would recommend it to anybody.
0: I do know of people who really like the movie, so it does have its fans.
1: Quentin Tarantino apparently in the trivia said it was like one of his favorite movies of 2013.
0: It does have its fans. I have heard other podcasters and people who just love it. It's sort of one of those movies where people will, well, I love the Lone Ranger. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You know, so I and I can relate to that. And Lord knows I've championed oh, movies on this podcast.
1: <laughs> Same. That
0: like nobody gives a shit about. But I like.
1: hundred percent. I, I get it. The Lone Ranger is not one that I'm going to champion, but I've championed some real doozies and still do.
0: I kicked off this podcast series doing like John Carter within the first 10 episodes. So I know how it feels. Feels to love a outdated IP that bombed big time that came out from Disney. This was like their next big bomb after John Carter. It was like Lone Ranger and John Carter.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah, it does have its fans. So it lives in the hearts of. Oh, well, good.
1: People. I'm glad that it's it's living in. I mean, it 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 deserves love from somebody. There was a lot of heart that went into this. They wanted to get this made.
0: Okay, before we sign off, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our new patrons, Michael V. If you weren't aware already, you can sign up to be a patron of ours over on Patreon. Just look up Temple Trauma on Patreon and you will find us. And if you sign up to become a Patreon member, you will receive exciting free content such as the tentpole triumph reviews which we will be covering movies that beat the odds to become great successes so head on over there if you want some of those special extras All right, well, I'm going to go bury myself up to my neck and have a horse lick scorpions off of my face, and I'm going to wear a dead crow on my head and feed it birdseed. I
1: don't think you should do that, because I think that's cultural appropriation.
0: That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.